Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. When preparing a message, there are a number of steps that I go through. I try to begin with prayer, asking God what He would have us learn as we look into His Word. I ponder the text, and that usually begins to work in my mind weeks before I have opportunity to, to share with you. I work, look for pictures, word pictures, that help us apply and understand and recognize what God's truth is and has for our lives, and then always try to get a point. Never want a message to be pointless. And then I pray some more. But much of that process is preparing my head. And I trust that God takes it from my head and puts it in my heart. I need to tell you that this last week, he worked in my heart. Through some conversations and sharing together in people's lives, God began to examine my life and my thought process, and my focus. You know, for a pastor, there's no greater joy than to see my children walk in the truth. No greater joy to see people involved in ministry. OCC has been great as many people have come out and gotten involved in ministry. Yesterday was wonderful as a number of folks were here sharing and, and working together. It's, it's always great to see somebody put their arms around somebody and bow their heads and pray with them. Thursday I had an opportunity to be involved with one of our folks and as I showed up at the appointed place, it, it was great to see others there. And I, I couldn't figure out why these other people were there, and then I discovered that they were part of their life group. That's the way it's supposed to work. But quite honestly, sometimes ministry isn't all it's cracked up to be. We live in a culture in which people are going to do their own thing. Sheep are going to wander. Sheep are going to look for greener pastures. You say, well, it shouldn't affect you, preacher, but I look out and I see empty pews. And I wonder, what am I doing wrong? I hear stories in people's lives and how they're struggling with stuff, and I'm thinking, why, why can't I be more involved and, and, and share? What's my problem? Why aren't I doing enough? I'll never forget a number of years ago, a number of years ago, I was preparing to run a marathon with one of our men. This was back in Sandusky, Ohio. And Dale and I spent literally hours together on the road, mile after mile after mile after mile. And one day we're, we're out there doing a little bit of training and putting in some miles, and Dale says, Tom, I just want you to know I'm leaving Barb. thought about a punch in the gut. And I'm thinking, here I've spent all this time with Dale. One who held leadership office in, in the church. Put my arms around them and, and shared in their lives and involved. And 
Dale's leaving Barb. What did I do wrong? Why can't I make a difference in people's lives? This past week, God worked in my life, and he said, Tom, how do you measure success? What is a successful ministry? What does it look like to me? Because what it looks like to me ought to be what it looks like to you. I had breakfast with one of our guys this past week, and we were discussing some things, and he told me some things about going on in his life, and I'm thinking, it's not the way it ought to be. And he said, but you know, God's still God. I said, yeah, I know that. He said, you know, God's still faithful. Yeah, I know that. In fact, I said across the table, I said, if you'll give an invitation, I'll come forward. Because I know that. But yet, as an elect exile, journeying on my life to what God has called me to do, and I believe it's a call on God, and if I didn't believe that, I'd quit. Sometimes I struggle. Now, please, don't feel bad for me this morning, all right? This is not a feel bad for pastor kind of message, and I don't want it to be that way. In fact, earlier this week, I contacted all of our deacons, and I said, pray for me, because I don't want this to be self-serving in any way. It's, it's not about that. But I do want you to know that sheep bites although not usually fatal, can hurt. And I have to return to the Word of God to discover where I get my meaning and my understanding and my focus and my stability and my incentive to be the kind of person that God wants me to be. That's what God did in my life this past week. And I want to share with you some of the lessons he's teaching me and perhaps wanting to teach all of us. Are you in 1 Peter chapter 5? I want to begin this morning with the text that we studied last week, and I want to read through verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, reading down through verse 7. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now our text for this morning, verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God 
so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. How does God spell success? What are the elements that we ought to look for in our lives if we're going to be the kind of people that God wants us to be? Success begins with submission. Did you note that in our text? It says, likewise, you younger. Now, understand the likewise, will you please? The likewise refers back to the elder. So if you're not an elder, you're a younger. And in Jewish culture, younger went up to about 40 years of age. So I don't know what category you're in. You're either an elder or you're a younger, but you're part of all of this. Likewise, elder, pastor, bishop. Now, I will remind you what we studied last week. We saw that God has a well a way that the elder, the pastor, the bishop is supposed to conduct himself. And it has to do with your spirit, your motivation, and your style. Your spirit is that you don't do it by compulsion, you do it willingly. Your motivation, you don't do it for money, but you do it eagerly. Your style is you're not domineering, but you're an example to the flock. And here's the deal. Submission is best shown by example. If you want to teach somebody something, teach them by example. And that's the responsibility that I have. But it's true in every area of our lives, right? Parents, you want to teach your kids how to handle problems? Teach them by example. You want your kids to holler and scream as they try to handle their problems? Holler and scream at them. That's how they learn. I've heard of a number of families that when there is a problem that's to be solved, mom and dad will go into another room. They'll shut the door and they'll handle their problem. And then when they've got it all handled, they'll open the door and they'll come out to the kids. Connie and I never did that. And the reason we never did that was twofold. One, we wanted to show our kids how biblically to handle problems. So we did it in front of them. We tried to model it. We tried to be an example. And number two, we knew if we were doing it in front of the kids, we'd be accountable to them. That's a good thing. But likewise refers back to the spirit, to the motivation, to the style. And each of us, wherever we are in life, need to make sure we are practicing this in our lives as examples to the believer. God, in a very special way, has called us together. And we are to make sure that as a body of believers, we model what it is to be Christ-like. You know that's what Christ did, wasn't it? We won't take the time to turn Philippians chapter 4, or chapter 2, but let me quote it for you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, let that stick in your mind a minute, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, let that stick in your mind a minute, but made himself of no reputation, 
and humbled himself and became obedient, submissive. And obedient even unto the cross. Right? So if we want to be a success, we need to understand that it all starts with submission. And we'll talk about this a little bit later as we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. But it all starts with a recognition that we're all accountable to someone and that someone is God Almighty. Amen? And frankly, not only are we accountable to God, we're accountable to each other as part of the family. After last week's message, one of our deacons came up to me and said, Pastor, I thought you'd, rec- you'd uh, mention this. And I said, what's that? I didn't know what the, this was. He said, I thought you'd tell folks what you always tell us, and that is hold you accountable. Yeah, hold me accountable. Please? Because if I'm not doing it, I can't expect anybody else to do it because I'm supposed to be an example. And the best way to build into somebody else's life is to be an example and to model God-directed behavior so that we can be the kind of people God wants us to be. Likewise, back to the text, you younger. And as I said earlier, that's everybody who's not an elder. And what's it say? It says, be subject, be submission. The, the word is hupopasso. It means an under rower. Now, we don't know much about under rowers, right? But they used to have these ships. And these ships were wind powered. But when the wind was contrary, they didn't go very far very fast. And so what they had underneath was rowers, rows of rowers. And everybody would pull on an oar, and it would take the ship where it needed to go. That's what submissive is, helping take the ship where it needs to go. And who decides where it needs to go? God, right? And so each of us is an under-rower, hupopastol, and I use that word because I'm going to bring you back to it in a little bit, an under-rower with God, sharing together in the work God has called us to share in. That's all of us together. Now, question, are you pulling your load? You ever row a boat? We all know that little song, don't we? Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Life is much. Let me tell you, when you're rowing a boat, life's not much of a dream. It's hard work. But if you're rowing a boat and you're only pulling on one air, or we need everybody pulling on all the oars. Modeling what God has called us to be. Now, Peter has mentioned about submission. May I remind you of what he's told us already? Jump back to chapter 2, will you please? Verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Huh? That's submission. 
Jump down to verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Jump down to chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. And jump down to verse 8 of chapter 3. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. You see how that works? We're all under rowers. And here it says, if you're not an elder, if you're younger, follow the model that elders have already put before you. Be subject. We live in a selfie culture, don't we? Yeah, we do. It's all about me. It's all about my feelings. It's all about what I want. And the sad thing is it's penetrated the church of God. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Either you'll love the one and hate the other, cling to the one, despise the other. And Jesus said, you can't serve God's money. The two are incongruent. They do not mix water and oil. They don't mesh. The reality is, the way up is down. Remember what Jesus did? Last Supper, as they gathered before he would go to the garden and give his life, remember what he did? He washed their feet. Anybody want their feet washed this morning? I'm willing to do it. I'm serious. As each of us should. But not only do we submit... I want you to understand to whom we submit under the mighty hand of God. Mark that in your Bibles, will you please? Under the mighty hand of God, verse 6. Aren't you thankful that God has a mighty hand? Now, I told you we'd come back to Hupapaso. Now, you may not care a bit about Greek. But the word under here is hupo. Hupopasso, submission, being subject. Hupo, under. And it has the recognition that there is someone who is in authority. And that is the one who has a mighty hand. I hope that encourages you this morning. We have a great God, amen? We have a God who can save. Amen? We have a God who can do great and mighty things which we know not. Amen? We have a God who's able to meet all of our needs. We have a faithful God. We have a God who is great and mighty as the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Amen? Does that excite you? Well, about half a dozen of you are excited about that. Do you remember in the Old Testament, Moses was sent out to do a work that God had called him to do and gave all kinds of excuses about why he couldn't do it. And God said, Moses, do you trust my mighty hand? 
He went down to Egypt. And there he went up to Pharaoh, who very easily could have taken off his head. In fact, Pharaoh had done that on a number of occasions. And he said, Pharaoh, let my people go because my God has a mighty hand. They got in the wilderness. Can you imagine leading a million people in the wilderness without a Myers? I mean, think about it. And God gave them water out of a rock. God gave them food from heaven. God gave them meat in the form of quail. And it was all by his mighty hand. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They wouldn't bow down before the the emperor's idol. So the emperor is going to throw them in a fiery furnace, right? And they said, if God wants to deliver us, he can, and if he doesn't, it's going to be okay. Because our God has a mighty hand. Have you seen God's mighty hand? Hmm? Three years ago, we began a stewardship journey and we're challenged to walk this journey sacrificially I don't know about you but I have seen our God's mighty hand as we have walked that journey with him how about you do we have a great God do we have a God who has a mighty hand and it has the idea of recognizing that we are covered by his hand and we are also subject to his hand. That's our mighty God. What about this mighty God? I think it's interesting that we can trust him. Will you be aware this morning that our God has a mighty hand? We can trust his mighty hand. We are secure in his mighty hand. And we can be comfortable in his mighty hand. Amen? And so it's okay to be under. Why? Because as we are under his mighty hand, we are covered, as I said, and we are subject to his mighty hand. And that's okay. So, as we think about success in your life and my life, I have to begin by remembering it starts with submission. But that submission is under the mighty hand of God, and it's okay. And I'm comfortable with that. Now, what does that look like? Back to our text, please. Verse 5. Likewise, you younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore. If we are going to be success, we have to be clothed with humility. We have to recognize that it's not about us, it's all about God. One of our deacons 
reminded me of a C.S. Lewis quote. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. May I repeat that? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And pride is taking credit of what God alone can do. And what's it say? Clothe yourself with humility. The word clothe is translated in other places in the New Testament as gird. It has the idea of taking up and strengthening it and wrapping it around oneself so you can operate more effectively and efficiently. You know, when it becomes all about me, I don't operate real well because I become pretty focused on things that don't matter. Things that are not my things, but the things that are God's things. Hmm? Why are we here? I don't mean just here. But why are we on planet Earth? Why did, why did God place you on planet Earth? To bring glory to Him. It's not just to take up space. God bless you. God placed us here so that we might glorify Him. Amen? All right. If that's true, how are we to do that? In everything, right? Whether therefore you eat. Anybody eat this past week? Hmm? Every once in a while, Connie will bring home something chocolate. I love chocolate. I shouldn't have as much chocolate as I have. And my philosophy is, if it's in the house, I better eat it and get rid of it because I don't need it. So the bag of peanut M&Ms that I found this past week are gone. And the Oreos that she pulled out of the freezer, they don't exist anymore. I take care of my temptations. Get rid of them. And Steve, I enjoyed the milk I had with the peanut M&Ms and the Oreos. Any of you eat this past week? Any of you drink this past week? Carol, I haven't had a Diet Coke since Labor Day. Whether therefore you eat or drink, whatever you do, Anybody do any whatever this past week? Do all to the glory of God. And do it clothed with humility. Amen? And what's it say? All of you. Right? Toward one another. Sharing in each other's lives. McDonald said this in his commentary. Put on the apron of humility. Very appropriate, since the apron is the badge of a servant. A missionary to India once said, 
If I were to pick out two phrases necessary for spiritual growth, I would pick out these. I don't know, and I am sorry. And both phrases are the evidences of deep humility. And then he says this. Imagine a congregation where all the members have this humble spirit, where they esteem others better than themselves, where they outdo each other in performing the menial tasks. Such a church need not be imaginary. It could and should be an actuality. Amen? Now, why do we do that? We do that because God resists the proud. We do that because God gives more grace to the humble. Amen? You want more grace? There it is. We do that that he may exalt us in due time. That's the text. We need to be clothed with humility. And as we do that, we can cast our care upon him. Verse 7. Because he cares for us. I don't have to promote myself. Because God cares. I don't have to be worried about the things I can't control. Because God is in charge. I don't have to worry about all of the stuff that's around me. Because we have a great God who has purpose. And it's all about who he is anyway. Humility means that we do not have to bear our anxieties. We are told to toss them over on him. ever play hot potato is there anybody in here who doesn't understand the game hot potato so y'all our cares ought to be hot potatoes that we give right off to God the things that we struggle with shouldn't stay with us long Because we can cast our care upon him. Now I want you to notice something here. It's a decisive act to do that. It's not something that happens automatically. You have to choose to do that. Peter says, as elect exiles, when you're struggling with stuff, here's something you can do. You can get rid of that stuff and give it to God. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 55. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Amen? And why is that true? Because he cares for you. What did Jesus say about the sparrow that falls? Remember that? He said, God cares so much about a little sparrow that falls. Don't you think he cares more about you? Remember what Jesus said? He said, if God cares so much about making the, the field beautiful and the flowers bloom, 
Don't you think he cares more about you? May I remind you that Adam, mankind, was the crown of his creation. Right? And when he made man, he said, it's very good. You're very good. Think about that. God made man special in his image. None of his other creation was made in the image of God. But we were. Think about that. In fact, God cares so much that he numbers the hair on our heads. Wow. I'm just thankful I have hair to have numbered. Don't take that any other way than what I said, all right? Why? Because he cares for you. I want you to think about that. What's it mean that he cares for you? Well, there's two different kinds of care. There's an anxious care. There's a burden care, right? We all have those. We struggle with that stuff. We had some folks during ABF who were giving missionary reports who were looking at the clock. There's an anxious care. And then we have affectionate care. Where he cares for us. He loves us so much that he cares. <laughs> Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Think about that. I don't love any of you that much. And I have a very imperfect son, and there were times that I wondered whether or not I'd give him up. There were times I wanted to take him out. Huh? You understand that? But God's son, the perfect Lamb of God, came to take away the sin of the world. And how do we spell success? We remember that true exaltation comes from God, that he may exalt us in due time. It's not a pat on the back. I like pats on the back. It's not a feather in your hat. It's not a financial raise. It's all about the exaltation of God in our lives. It's all about when I get to heaven, I want that well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what it's all about. Now, I know that we have not finished spelling success yet. And next week, we're going to look at being sober-minded and that Satan is a real enemy. But what do we do with this week? Let me give you some things to think about. 
Number one, being an example and encouragement to others, will you? We all need that. We all need that. Be an example and encouragement to others. Trust God's mighty hand, will you? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're struggling with. But whatever it is, trust it to a mighty God. We need to serve that mighty God with humility. It's not about us. It's not about our name outside. It's about who our God is. It's not about our reputation in the community. It's about who God is. It's not about us getting all of the accolades. It's about who God is. And remember, you can cast your care on him. All your care on him. Because it's his mercy. The past year has been a challenge in my life. Just being transparent with you. Frankly, this past year has been a challenge to Calvary Baptist Church. A lot of different ways. Some might look at the balance sheet, and I'm not just talking about financial, but the balance sheet of Calvary Baptist Church and say, man, you guys are failing. Not much success there. But I want to encourage you this morning that it's not about the balance sheet. It's about who God is. And that needs to get from our head to our hearts. Because it's God who exalts us in due time. Amen? How many Baptists does it take to change light bulbs? Somebody said, how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb in the worship center? And the answer is, they don't because they're not allowed to raise their hands. <laughs> but change my heart, oh Lord. Make it ever new. Change my heart, oh Lord. May it be like.